0: Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Kane does not make his debut as a New York Ranger in Philadelphia, but he will debut a little bit later tonight in Madison Square Garden against the Ottawa Senators. As for last night, the Rangers basically snap out of it in the third period, Play quite a bit better than they had in either of the first two periods, especially the second. And they come storming back to post a three to two uh, come from behind overtime win against the Philadelphia Flyers as Vladimir Tarasenko has his best game as a New York Ranger and wins the game in overtime. All that and much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 782 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And I want to start with a big night for Vladimir Tarasenko. It's funny, you know, when the Rangers, anytime they do a trade or they have some kind of a transaction, uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll take a look at the biggest winners and losers uh, from that deal. And I didn't really get a chance to do that with Patrick Kane because there were just so many different uh, angles and aspects to to look at as it was, you know, as far as that trade was concerned. Um, But I think one of the winners from that trade is actually Vladimir Tarasenko. And those two don't seem likely to play on the same line, given that they're both right wingers. And I'm sure one will be on the top line, probably Tarasenko, and one will be on the second line, probably Kane. But You know, with Patrick Kane coming in, Vladimir Tarasenko was kind of under the microscope for Ranger fans a little bit. I think this kind of takes the spotlight away from him, probably relieves a little bit of pressure. Not that he can't handle it. I mean, the guy's proven to be uh, a winning hockey player and obviously a former Stanley Cup champion. But uh, I do think it kind of lessens the pressure on him now that Patrick Kane is coming to the Rangers. But uh, Tarasenko off to a nice start with the Rangers Uh, to do a quick stat check here. He's now played in 10 games as a Ranger. Good time to look at the numbers. Uh, Three goals and four assists in that time. He is also a plus two, seven block shots, and 12 hits. You know, overall, I think he's played fairly well as a New York Ranger. You know, the points have, have been there, and certainly uh, that department got a boost with a three-point performance uh, last night against the Flyers, but I don't know that we've seen him uh, really dominate, really assert himself, really take over games the way that he's capable of doing, at least not until last night, because he, he was very noticeable. You know, it wasn't just the three points. Um, he was all over the ice, and it was a game where uh, not a lot of Rangers were, were really standing out in a positive way in the first two periods. I thought the first half of the first period was very good for the Rangers. You know, They were swarming in the offensive zone, seemed like they were ready to go, uh, got away from it a little bit, took a bunch of penalties, which obviously didn't help, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later in today's episode. But as for Tarasenko, I mean, this is the first time that we saw him go out there and truly dominate, truly take over a game. And uh, given that he had a hand in all three of the goals that the Rangers scored, I figure we might as well just go through them all uh, right here, right now. Obviously, you know, Tarasenko once again gets the overtime winner and had the primary helper on each of the two pre seeding goals that were scored by the New York Rangers. And obviously the Rangers need all three of those goals to ultimately get the win in this game. It's funny, you know, this is one of those games where uh, the team, the superior team, that being the Rangers, it's a case, classic case, where... They didn't play as well as they're capable of. They just kind of played as well as they needed to, which I think that's kind of what we saw in this game. Um, but you know what? They, they found a way to rally. They got the job done in the third period. They got the job done in overtime, and they got two points. And obviously, once again, a big, big game uh, for Vladimir Tarasenko. But I wanted to talk a little bit about this overtime period, and obviously we'll conclude with uh, the game winner by Tarasenko. But the way the Rangers just dominated uh, puck possession, I mean, the Flyers barely had the puck at all. The opening faceoff was won by the Flyers, but it went up over the glass about 18 seconds into the overtime period, and after that, you know, Trocheck won the ensuing faceoff, and I don't know that the Flyers had the puck again uh, after this happened. If they did, it was only uh, very, very briefly, but. You know, to, to kind of go through everything that happened here, Trocek wins the faceoff back to Fox, and uh, Trocek goes over the blue line, circles back out of the zone, uh, leaves the puck for Panarin, Panarin goes back in, Panarin circled back out. There was a lot of that going on where the Rangers had uh, the flyer zone, but, you know, the scoring chance just wasn't there, so they would just kind of circle back out into the neutral zone, which is something that you see teams do in overtime because— you know, possession when it's three-on-three three is pretty much everything. And the the Flyer fans were starting to get a little bit restless. They were starting to boo the Rangers a little bit. And I can understand that frustration. If I'm a Flyer fan, that entire overtime period would have driven me crazy because you're just watching the Rangers just circle around with the puck and circle around with the puck, circle around with the puck, and uh, not even really attempt a shot. But again, possession's the name of the game in overtime. And if the shot isn't there, don't force it. Don't give up the puck for no good reason. Just keep cycling it. And something else that this accomplishes, and we saw this happen uh, in the overtime here against the Flyers, A lot of times, if one team can just maintain possession forever, you know they'll be able to get their guys on and off the ice pretty much at will, which the Rangers did. While the team that doesn't have the puck, in this case, of course, that's the Flyers, can't get their guys off the ice. I mean, they had at least two players that were on the ice for a minute thirty or even longer, and uh, you know obviously they were getting pretty tired toward the end there. But yeah, I mean, you know you had guys coming on and off the ice for the Rangers. Eventually, you get Heedle and Tarasenko on with Braden Schneider. Ah, Hito's got the puck. He goes up the center of the ice. He goes to his left, just shy of the red line, and then passes back to Tarasenko. Tarasenko's in the center of the ice. He collects the pass. Going forward with a full head of steam, uh, veers to his left a little bit, uh, takes a nasty wrist shot and scores and uh, beats Hart clean on a night where, you know, I thought Hart was very, very good in this game, kept the Flyers in the game in certain instances. But Tarasenko, the overtime winner, the 3-2 to victory uh, for the New York Rangers. But uh, that's something that I think a lot of us have been looking for. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko does a lot of things very well. Uh, His biggest weapon, though, is that nasty wrist shot that he has, and we saw it. It was on full display here. Like I said, he just beat Hart clean. I mean, there was a defenseman there, so possible that maybe, uh, you know, that blocked Hart's vision momentarily, but I mean, to me, this just looked like a a good hard wrist shot uh, that Tarasenko expertly placed, beats Carter Hart. Gets the game winner for the Rangers. Awesome moment. The uh, best game that Vladimir Tarasenko has played as a New York Ranger, and that goal, of course, being uh, the top moment that he has experienced since coming over to the New York Rangers. But you were talking about Tarasenko and his big night, and like I said, he had a hand in all three goals. We might as well just start from the beginning. Rangers got a power play goal. Their only power play opportunity of the game early in the first period. Scored pretty early on the power play as well. Uh, Panarin passes across the ice to Tarasenko and Tarasenko's in the right circle, and then he centers uh, a pass for Mika Zabanejad in front of the net, and Mika redirects it into the twine. And, you know, it's interesting. They've kind of been toying with Mika Zabanejad in the bumper role on the top power play unit, which, at first glance, I don't really like just because... You know, playing that role, you're not going to get as many one-timer opportunities. And with Mika Zabenejad, you want him taking one-timers. You don't want to over-rely on it like the Rangers did at times earlier this season. But that's still a weapon, and I I still hope the Rangers can go to it. Um, That being the case, though, you know, Mika can score in a lot of different ways. And obviously, brilliant passing here from Panarin and from Tarasenko. I mean, Tarasenko, as soon as he received the pass from Panarin, he was moving it in front to Mika Zabenejad and Mika taking care of the rest. So a great goal there. And a power play goal. For the New York Rangers, and like I said, I was a little skeptical about Mika, you know, playing bumper, but he's scored a power play goal in each of the last two games in that role. And one thing that that also does, if you have uh, Tarasenko on the uh, on the right side that might encourage him to shoot a little bit more often. Maybe the Rangers are trying to get him to shoot a little more. We don't want Tarasenko to, you know, catch that uh that disease or whatever you want to call it where the Rangers, you know, everybody wants to pass. Everybody wants to set up their buddy and, you know, be unselfish, but, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko, you saw that shot that he had in overtime. I don't think anybody on the Ranger team or anybody in the Ranger fan base or any anything else, anybody else, is uh, going to get up, upset at Vladimir Tarasenko for shooting the puck because that, that wrist shot is an absolute weapon and uh, maybe by putting him on the right side on the power play, you encourage him to shoot a little bit more often. Uh, Tarasenko also had the primary helper on the game tying goal in the third period and the Rangers were really rough in the second period. Like I said, we're going to get to that in a little bit here but they came out looking like a completely different team in the third, basically just swarming uh, from the opening face off. I thought the kid line looked good in the third period, but this game-tying goal, big-time team effort here, and it started with Chris Kreider busting his tail up the ice to get to the loose puck and negate what would have been an icing. You know, if Kreider doesn't hustle and he doesn't get there, it's an icing. There's a face-off in the Rangers zone, and uh, this goal never happens, but uh, Kreider then, after negating the icing, he forces a turnover behind the flyer net. Uh, Tarasenko picks up the puck. Tarasenko tries to pass in front for Kreider. And it is deflected away by a flyer defenseman. But then Trocheck, you know, he's entering the zone. He picks up the puck, leaves it for Tarasenko in the corner. And then Tarasenko with a long pass from along the boards on the right side over to the left side for Ben Harper. It bounces off the boards, and Harper missed it. But then Tarasenko, he basically just followed the play, followed his own pass. It turned out to be, in a roundabout way, Tarasenko essentially passing to himself from one side of the ice off the boards on the other side of the ice Right back to Tarasenko himself, and Tarasenko picks up the puck immediately. Basically, just uh, shoots it at the net, and you've got Kreider in front there, and Kreider redirects it home uh, for the goal. So uh, awesome stuff here. Tarasenko showing uh, those those instincts and you know, recognizing that Harper couldn't handle the pass and getting over there and uh, picking up his own pass. And Kreider, just a great shift here for Kreider, negates the icing and then gets to the front of the net and does what he does, uh, redirects at home. And just like that, the Rangers have tied the game about midway through the third period. Rangers had some chances to win it. Uh, Flyers had a couple of chances in the last 10 seconds. Igor Shesterkin made a couple of really nice saves with less than 10 seconds to go, back-to-back saves. Uh, but the Rangers were sharp in the third period. Uh, seemed like they finally found their A game. And uh, that led the way, of course, to overtime and Tarasenko's heroics in the overtime period. But we're gonna keep everything rolling in just a second. Wasn't all great for the Rangers in this game. I think anybody who watched this game would probably agree and you probably know some of the things that I'm gonna talk about. We're gonna get to all those uh things in just a second here. But first, we gotta let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to Fanduel.com slash LockedOn. That's Fanduel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. And the NHL deadline is... Friday, March 3rd, join us live on the Locked On NHL YouTube channel from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern time as the Locked On NHL hosts break down the biggest deals from across the league. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's go ahead, keep everything rolling here. I want to uh, turn our attention to some of the not-so-good things in this game. And again, it's great that the Rangers rallied and they found their A game in the third period and got the job done. But I don't know, you know, you play in the Flyers and, you know, Patrick Kane, you know he's joining your team the next night. Let's go into that with a convincing win. Go in there and take down the Flyers, you know, 5-1, to 6-1, to 6-2, to two, something like that. It'd be nice to see the Rangers do that from time to time. And I guess, you know, they just got a pretty convincing win against the Kings and everything. But, uh, yeah, this this game ended up being a lot harder than it needed to be. And part of the reason for that, of course, being that the Rangers shot themselves in the foot a couple of times. You know, like I said, the first half of the first period I thought was really good for the Rangers. Then they got themselves into some trouble. Uh, three... Penalties taken by the Rangers in the first period. Um, I had them written down somewhere here and I'm, I'm struggling to find them, but let's see if I can remember this off the top of my head. So Panarin had an offensive zone uh, hooking penalty. Barkley Goodrow had a hooking penalty in the defensive zone, and Jacob Truba had a hooking penalty in the defensive zone. And Trubas was the third and final of those penalties, and that's when the Flyers took advantage. Flyers went into this game with the worst power play in the NHL, but, I mean, you keep giving them chances, giving them chances, giving them chances. Eventually, they're going to score, and that's what happened there. And the good news, I suppose, is that the Rangers— the rest of the way, after the first period, those three penalties that happened, you know, in a relatively short time span, didn't take a single penalty uh, the rest of the game. So they obviously cleaned it up. Maybe that was a point of emphasis from the team and from uh, the coaching staff during the first intermission that we got to get away from these bad penalties. The Rangers were able to do that. But yeah, just just kind of uh, unfortunate that the Rangers essentially uh, squandered what was a pretty hot start for them by just taking penalty after penalty after penalty. And really none of them uh, really needed to happen. Uh, The Panarin one for sure didn't need to happen. The Goodrow one, I mean, the Flyers were scrambling a little bit and maybe getting a scoring chance. And you know, Truba tripped his guy on a uh, a rush into the zone, but Truba was in position. There was really no need to do it. So, uh, Rangers got away from the not so good penalties. But then the second period happened, and no penalties for the Rangers, but just some sloppy play with the puck, some bad passing, and some. Really bad turnovers that could have led to more goals than they did the Flyers at the post a couple of times. Igor Shesterkin bailed out the Rangers a couple of times. This could have gotten bad, and this game really could have gotten away from the Rangers. And honestly, against a better opponent, that's probably exactly what would have happened. But, you know, just kind of cite a couple of uh, instances here. Uh, Filippito had the puck along the boards in his own zone on the right side. Just made a really ill-advised, just, you know kind of pass that you just shouldn't make to the center of the ice in his own zone the Flyers easily intercepted it and uh Allison put the puck right off the post after that happened so that was one of the examples of the Flyers hitting the post uh then right after this Truba had a turnover in front of the reindeer net he had the puck behind the net and then even though there was kind of traffic in front he tried to carry the puck through the crease in the front of the net and that wasn't a good idea either and uh the Flyers took the puck away uh Igor made a save there and then uh you know, VZ, VZ had a turnover at one point that led to a decent scoring chance for the Flyers. And then finally, the dam broke. Right after all these things happened, you had an instance where uh, Lawton basically just walked the puck out of the corner for the Flyers and scored from a, a sharp angle, brought it in front of the reindeer net, and uh, roofed it. I mean, it was a perfectly placed shot, but, you know, Igor, you know, he kind of went down a little early and... uh it's kind of save that you just expect Igor Schusterkin to make, but that one made it 2-1 to one in favor of the Flyers. And Igor made some really nice saves in this game. You know, he bailed out the Rangers a couple of times, um, but, you know, just a case of poor defense and just sloppy play overall, uh, leading to what turned out to be a go-ahead goal for the Flyers in the second period. Now, I also realized that the Rangers, you know, they kind of were up against it a little bit in terms of who they were playing with because they went into this game... Uh, short-handed, basically, with only 11 forwards and five defensemen. Uh, Braden Schneider was back, but Ryan Lingren still out of the lineup with his injury. Keandre Miller serving the first game of his three-game suspension, and so you know you're basically down two of your top three defensemen. I, I think you guys know who the third one probably is, but uh, yeah, you know, obviously that that put the Rangers up against it a little bit. But again, you know, it's it's the Flyers. They've had a terrible season. Uh, It's a team that just doesn't really seem to have that much of an identity right now. Would have been nice to see the Rangers go in there and really assert themselves. But as it is, they got the job done with only eight skaters and they were at their best in the third period and in overtime, which is what they needed to be. So that's obviously a positive there. To kind of just... Run through the line combinations real quick. I mean, it's pretty much what you would expect. You got the top line, Kreider, Mika Tarasenko. I'm almost positive that line will stay together uh, for tonight's game against the Senators. And you'll see Kane play right wing on the second line along with Panarin and Trocheck In this game against the Flyers, you had Goodrow playing right wing on the second line. I think it's... Pretty much a lock that he's going to drop from second line right wing to fourth line center. You'll have the kid line still together on the third line as they were uh, in this game against the Flyers. And then, like I said in in a recent episode, I think we're going to get the best iteration of the fourth line that the Rangers have had all season. It's going to be Mott, Goodrow, and VZ probably from left to right. I mean, I guess you could put Mott at right wing and VZ at left wing. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's kind of just uh, wherever you feel most comfortable playing those guys. But I would think Mott left wing, Goudreau center, and uh, VZ right wing. And then the defense pairings, uh, they go with Mikola and Fox. They go with Harper and Truba. And they go with Braden Schneider as the fifth defenseman. Although, you know, obviously they're mixing and matching the whole night and guys are pretty much playing with everybody. That's just the nature of the beats when you only have five defensemen. Um, But very, very curious to see, uh, A, if Lindgren might be available tonight, and B, if they, uh, you know, once again go with uh, five defensemen. I did see something where they can call up somebody from the minors as an emergency call-up if they're making less than 850 k So options are kind of limited there, but it's possible that we do see that tonight. Haven't seen an update uh, on Twitter or anything like that. Something else that I want to mention here, though, I talked about the Rangers taking penalties. Uh, this is a stat that they shared on the broadcast last night, and I, I really couldn't believe it when I heard it. Um, but then you think about it, and it's like, yeah, no, that sounds about right. The Rangers have given up at least one power play goal in eight consecutive games, and this is a team that uh, last year, you know, the penalty kill was such a strength of them. And you know, you look at everybody that they have this year. You look at, I mean, you start with Igor Shesterkin who has not been as good this year as last year, but still one of the better goalies in this league, that is for sure, and somebody who's absolutely elite when he's got his A game. And cliche or not, yes, your goalie has to be your best penalty killer. Um, so you start with Igor, and then you look at you know some of the Ranger defensemen. I mean, you guys don't need me to go through the names with the defensemen. You guys know that uh, the Rangers have some uh, great blue liners and guys that you would think could uh, really help out in the penalty kill. And then you've got a lot of Really good defensive forwards as well between Mika and Kreider and Goodrow and VZ and now Tyler Mott. Um, there's others uh, as well, um, but yeah, you know they're they're just struggling on the penalty kill, and it's one of those things that they're going to have to get right before the playoffs start. You know, I know everybody's excited about this super roster that the Rangers have put together, but we've talked about this in the past. You have to have a good penalty kill uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you're giving up power play goals left and right in a playoff environment where everything is so tightly contested to begin with, you're going to find yourself in some trouble. So my hope and my expectation is that the Rangers will figure it out in the penalty kill and they will get it going. It's just one of those things that are in a little bit of a rut right now. And, uh, you know, I think eventually they'll buckle down and they'll figure it out. There's no reason why, when you look at the Ranger personnel, that they shouldn't be one of the better penalty kill units uh, in the entire league. So let's hope that they can get back to that. Uh, I got to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to talk about a couple of the finer details of the Patrick Kane trade. Obviously, in our most recent episode, you know, we talked about Kane being acquired by the Rangers and what the Rangers gave to the Blackhawks. But we, of course, now know who the mystery third team was, and there were a couple other, uh, you know, minor league players involved in the transaction as well. So I just want to uh, get to that, and uh, we will do that in just a second. But first, gotta let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you. by by Indeed. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you've got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. And if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you do not pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process, find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away plus you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined according to Talent Nest in 2019. Start hiring Right now, with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked on. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash locked on to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash locked on. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we're gonna keep everything rolling here. Uh, like I said, we we are all excited about the Patrick Kane trader, or most Ranger fans. I, I know some people don't really like Patrick Kane, and you know I, I understand that to a degree. But you know, for me, seeing this opportunity, this very unique opportunity, where the Rangers could get Patrick Kane for pennies on the dollar, it's the only place he wanted to go. He had the full no move clause. The Blackhawks wanted to go right, by, do right by him, excuse me. And the Rangers just weren't gonna have to give up that much. It's such a unique situation. Doesn't happen very often, and I thought the Rangers did the right thing by pouncing and, and bringing Patrick Kane in. I will say, uh, with Kane, thought it was a little odd that he didn't make his debut uh, against the Flyers last night. The only thing I can come up with, and Chris Jury seemed to— he was a little vague, but he seemed to hint at this, is that the Rangers, you know, Kane hasn't been playing recently because he's been sitting out. Obviously, doesn't want to get hurt because he's going to be traded and injured players can't be traded. Um, that could put a nix on the whole thing. Um, But it's possible that the Rangers looked at this and figured that Kane hasn't been playing recently. He's had the hip issue. They don't want him to start his Ranger career by playing three games in four days. And by having him not play against the Flyers, you avoid that situation. He will make his debut, like I said, against the Senators in Madison Square Garden uh, a little bit later tonight. But uh, as far as, once again, the the finer uh, points of this trade, so we finally figured out uh, the third team involved in this trade, the mystery third team. It turns out it was the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they get a conditional third-round pick from the Rangers in 2025 in exchange for taking on 25% of Patrick Kane's salary. And, and that's fine. Um, you know, Obviously, the Rangers and the Blackhawks, for that matter, had to get a third team involved in this because the Rangers couldn't take on 50% of Kane's salary. Uh, the Blackhawks retained 50%. The Coyotes take on 25% and the Rangers take on uh, 25% as well. But if you're the Coyotes, there's literally no reason not to do this. I mean, they're a rebuilding team. You're essentially getting a draft pick for doing absolutely nothing. You're just covering 25% of Patrick Kane's salary for the rest of the season. And that's it. And you get a draft pick. So there's, there's really no reason you can't do that. Um, and honestly, like it, it almost like I get a little greedy here. It's almost like, man, you know, you, you had to give away a third round pick. If you're the Rangers, you couldn't find a team, really any team, or at least any non-contending team, because a contending team is not going to help facilitate this trade for the New York Rangers, but find a non-contending team, uh, willing to take on 25% of Kane's salary for, like, a fourth-round pick. But you know what? It's probably best not to get that greedy. I mean, if you have to give up a third-round pick to get Patrick Kane, then so be it. Um, Don't want to, like, pinch pennies there or anything like that, especially when you're getting Kane uh, for less than you probably should be able to. Um, But for the Blackhawks, we already knew – They're getting the second round pick for the Rangers in 2023. It's conditional. If the Rangers make it to the Eastern Conference Final or deeper, it becomes a first round pick. And the Blackhawks also get a fourth round pick for the Rangers in 2025. And the Blackhawks, of course, as I mentioned a second ago, they also retain 50% of Kane's salary. The Blackhawks also get from the Rangers... 29-year-old defenseman Andy Walensky. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about him in just a second. And as for the Rangers, obviously they get uh, Patrick Kane. They also get Cooper Zeck, a 24-year-old defenseman. And uh, we'll get to Zek in just a second as well. But it was kind of funny. I saw a couple of people tweeting like, oh, we'll never forget the day that the Rangers uh, traded for Cooper Zeck. Or, you know, after, after weeks and weeks of, of negotiations, intense negotiations, the Rangers finally got their guy, Cooper Zek. It, it's kind of funny that... You know, he's kind of just this throw in here. I mean, look, the joke's going to be on us if Zack eventually makes it to the NHL and, and becomes a good player for the Rangers or any other team. But uh, it, I was laughing at some of those tweets yesterday, that's for sure. But as far as Andy Walensky goes, and remember, he's the 29-year-old defenseman that goes from the Rangers to the Blackhawks. Uh, just for some quick background on him. Uh, Third-round pick by the Anaheim Ducks in 2011. He went number 83 overall. However, he has played only 46 career NHL games, all of them with the Anaheim Ducks, uh, one goal and five assists. He played 40 games with the Hartford Wolfpack this year, four goals and 12 assists. I don't think the Rangers ever really saw him as much more than, you know, veteran organizational depth. If the injuries start to pile up or whatever might happen, somebody's ineffective, uh, he's an option that maybe you could call him up to the NHL, but uh, I think the odds were against uh, Walensky ever playing uh, you know, uh, game for the Rangers this season. Uh, just seems like there's way too many people in his way. So now he heads to Chicago. And as for Cooper Zek, and remember, this is the 24-year-old defenseman that the Rangers uh got from the Blackhawks along with Patrick Kane. Uh, Zek went undrafted. And has yet to appear in an NHL game. He split this season between the Rockford Ice Hogs of the AHL and the Indy Fuel of the ECHL. Uh two points in 13 games with the Ice Hogs, 10 points in t- in uh, excuse me, 10 points in eight games with the Fuel. And uh the Wolfpack has announced via a tweet uh that Zek will be joining their team. Um, again, it's hard to find a whole lot of information about Zach because he went undrafted. It's not like there's, you know, scouting reports upon scouting reports upon scouting reports. Um, but one thing here that I do like, he is five years younger than Andy Walensky. So it's possible he's still developing a little bit. Maybe at some point, um, he gets a chance with the Rangers. Uh, You never know what can happen. We saw Ben Harper, you know, PTO, just to use him as an example. Um, you know, he comes in, ends up getting a chance after Hayek and and Jones didn't really fare all that well. And for a while was the Rangers sixth defenseman. Uh, He's been relegated to the seventh defenseman since Mikola came over in the trade. Um, But, you know, he's obviously been playing a little bit recently. So um, again, it's hard to find a ton of information about Zek, but he is five years younger than Walensky. So we'll take our chances here and uh, we'll see what happens with him. And if he ever makes, uh, you know, his debut as a member of the New York Rangers, but obviously, you know, Patrick Kane got to be in action for the Rangers tonight. We're gonna be back here with a new episode on Friday, and we're gonna really focus in, obviously, on the game in general against the Senators, and hopefully that's another Ranger win. But we're gonna really hone in on Patrick Kane and you know talk about everything that he did. Hopefully, we're talking about him having a three-point night uh, in his debut, and him and Panarin, you know, making magic on the same line. Whatever the case may be, but you know we're gonna have no shortage of things to talk about uh, on Friday's episode. We'll also talk a little bit about uh, the trade deadline. I, the Rangers aren't going to do anything else. The only thing that they might do, you might see them like, you know, trade a, a minor leaguer for like a six round draft pick or vice versa. Uh, trade a six round draft pick for a minor leaguer. They're, the Rangers, barring something completely unforeseen, are not going to be doing much of anything because they have about $1,600 of cap space right now. So obviously, you know, I, I think all their moves are done at this point And, um, and that's going to be that. But obviously other teams will be uh, making some trades, so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well. It's been a pretty active trade deadline season already, and that will probably continue in the next uh, 24 hours or, uh, let's see, about 28 hours here uh, before the 3 p.m. Friday deadline. So we've got a whole lot to do in tomorrow's episode as well. Cannot wait to see Patrick Kane uh, make his New York Ranger debut tonight. And then just uh, wanted to throw out there one final reminder that uh, I will – Be taking a vacation next week and then uh, Monday and Tuesday of the following week after that. And, uh, you know, we'll be back after that. And, you know, I will miss doing this show, but uh, we'll be taking a quick break from it. Uh, over the next week and a couple of days here. But uh, that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at lo underscore ny underscore rangers. Once again, that is at lo underscore ny underscore rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.